Welcome. This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. With this episode, we're going to begin a multi-episode look into a question attributed to God in the book of Jonah in the Bible. Now, to give you some context, Jonah was an Israelite prophet, and God had spoken to Jonah and told Jonah that God wanted Jonah to go prophesy to the Assyrians in their capital city of Nineveh. Now, this was not good news for the prophet Jonah because Jonah hated the Assyrians. The Assyrians were mortal enemies of the Israelites, and the Assyrians were a fierce, warlike people in this time and place. And the the history records that when the Assyrians would attack a city after they would loot it and pillage it and steal all the things they wanted and they would uh, decapitate the heads of everybody that had lived in the city and then they would uh, pile these heads into mounds outside the city gates. So if somebody ever came along, it was a calling card that the Assyrians had been there when they would see these piles of decapitated heads. They were a ruthless, warlike people. So Jonah, to avoid going to proclaim God's word in the capital city of the Assyrians, in the dead of night he pays his way to get on a boat heading in the opposite direction to a town called Tarshish. Well, this little ploy didn't uh, confuse God or at all. So uh, as Jonah is on this boat, the book of Jonah tells us that God provided a great storm. And so the the seamen on the boat are wondering what is the cause of this great storm. They think it's of divine uh, or origination. And so they cast lots to figure out who did something so bad that this storm's going to kill us all. Well, as the lot fell, it went to Jonah, and Jonah said, Yeah, I'm guilty. I, I'm uh, disobeying God. And, and so Jonah pled with the sailors to throw me into the sea, and you'll be safe. So the, uh, the sailors did throw Jonah into the sea. And then the book of Jonah tells us that God provided a great fish to swallow Jonah up and take Jonah to the city of Nineveh and spew him out on the beach so that Jonah would have to go to the place that God wanted Jonah to go to. Well, this did not make Jonah happy at all. In fact, he walked through the city of Nineveh and preached an eight-word sermon. Now, it's got to be the shortest sermon in all the the history of preachers, but he preached an eight-word sermon, and it pierced the Assyrians to their hearts. And they repented of the bad things they had been doing. And then God repented of the bad thing he was going to do to the Assyrians. And so that's where we pick it up in the last chapter of the book of Jonah. This is Jonah chapter 4. And when God uh, decides not to destroy the city of Nineveh and the Assyrians, this is how Jonah responds. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents on sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is just better for me to die than to live." 
But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the great city of Nineveh. And then God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I just wish I were dead. But God said, you've been concerned about this plant Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and their many animals? So in this wonderful book of Jonah in the Bible, we come across a compound name of God that uh, is very interesting. Now, our faith ancestors, uh, according to how you count, had 15, 16, 17, 18 compound names for God in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament in the Christian churches. Now, the compound names were ways that are uh, sacred authors tried to communicate aspects or characteristics of this uh, incredibly different other being that we name God in a way to try to communicate to us what this God is like. And so there were, uh, as I say, these numerous compound names for God. For example, there was Yahweh Elohim, the God, our Creator, there was uh, Yahweh El Elyon, the Most High God. There was uh, Yahweh Yuri, the God we encounter in this story from the Bible. Uh, or sometimes it's called Jehovah Jireh, this compound name. And it's the God who provides. There was Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. And there was Yah Yahweh Makadesh, the uh, God, our sanctifier, and Yahweh Shalom, the God of our peace, and uh, Yahweh Zidkanu, the God who is our righteousness, and Yahweh Shema, the God who is ever-present. So there were a list of these compound names throughout the uh, Hebrew scriptures trying to explain to us or communicate to us what this God is like. And in this story, we come across Yahweh Yuri, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Now, early in my Christian faith, in my, in my early years, there was a popular phrase that went around something along the lines of where God guides, God provides. And the, the, the silliness of the notion of that phrase was, is if you're in God's will, if you're doing what God wants you to do, it'll be smooth sailing. It'll be easy. All the money you need will just show up. All the resources you need will just show up. If you get into God's will, 
It'll just be a glide. Well, <laughs> that has not been the case, I know, for me. And it certainly wasn't the case for our good friend Jonah in this story, because in this story, God provided a great storm to get him thrown into the sea, a great fish to swallow him. God provided a, a leafy plant to cover his head, but then a worm to kill the leafy plant. And God provided a scorching east wind to make Jonah's day miserable. So that's the, the God we encounter in this story, Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh. And it reminds me for the early days of my Christian faith, for a lot of those days, what I really wanted was a genie, not a god. And I, I think that's what Jonah was looking for here too. A genie is a supernatural power that you can control. You can rub the bottle three times and make your wish and tell the supernatural power what to do to get you out of trouble or to get you what you want. And I know for years I it felt like that in my own uh, Christian faith. I would rub the Bible three times and say, in the name of Jesus, trying to get supernatural power to act on my behalf to either heal me or get me out of trouble that uh, my nonsense had gotten me into. And, and I've come to learn, as Jonah did, that God just doesn't seem to work that way. What do we do with a God who is not at our beck and call, who doesn't do what we tell him or her to do, but a God who wants to be in control. And I think that's part of what made Jonah so angry. Jonah had predicted Nineveh would be destroyed in his eight-word sermon, and God did not destroy Nineveh. Jonah came to learn that God was compassionate and kind, and this is what made Jonah so angry. Jonah encountered Yahweh Yuri, the God who provides. Well, late last year, I encountered the God who provides, a God who provided a, a fire to destroy everything that I owned, except for my car and my laptop computer. And that will be the focus of uh, our next episode, coming next week, on Meditations for Misfits. Thanks for allowing me into your world for these few moments on your journey today. As a concluding thought, I'd like to share with you a, a prayer I'm asking for this season of Lent. Uh, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday in the Catholic Church and many other Christian traditions, and it marks the beginning of Lent, a, a period of 40 days of fasting, reflection, and contemplating on how we're living our lives. Are we the people that we want to be? Are we the people God dreamed us to be? It's a season to step back and consider how we might want to change our behavior and habits in order to live a more fully engaged life. Now, many Christians on last Wednesday received ashes on their forehead, and the ashes are a reminder of how temporary and fragile the gift of life is. As it is written, dust you are, and unto dust you shall return, all we go down to the dust. So the encouragement implied is go live large. As those of us who work in hospice know all too well, the gift of life will one day come to an end for all of us. So live fully now while we still have time. 
Now, many Christians observe this season of Lent by giving up something or fasting. I suggest maybe this Lent, you and I might consider giving up being afraid, giving up being vengeful, giving up, like Jonah, being angry. Who knows? If we're successful, we might even become more the people we want to be come Easter.